0: Florida foodie, I'm your host, Lisa Bell. And I'm Candace Campos. and we're just so happy to be joined today. Uh, I like to call him my culinary director, right? He Ooh. is, we're joined by Elliot Hillis from Red Panda <laughs> <laughs> Noodle Bar. And this is an interesting concept, a little background here. Originally with Orlando Meats. He yes. decided to leave that mm-hmm. with his sous chef. Right. And now created a new venture, mm-hmm. brand new restaurant. So we are joined now again with Red Panda Noodle Bar. So welcome to Florida Foodie. Thank you so much for joining
1: us. Now you you are a bit of a unicorn because you are a original Floridian, born and raised in Winter Park, Florida. Yes. That is very strange, so welcome.
2: Born in Winter Park Hospital too. Oh, that's awesome. So many
1: people we meet, obviously, you know, have only lived in the state for just a few years, but you've been here, you've traveled the country, Mm -hmm. worked in a restaurant here, and now you have Red Panda Noodle. Yeah. Tell us what Red Panda Noodle is.
2: Red Panda noodle is, a, is an expression of like an actual noodle shop as opposed to being a more focused like ramen shop or a pho shop or that kind of thing. We're, we're mainly focused on the concept of noodles as a vehicle for our expression rather than a particular style of noodle.
1: So does everything on your menu have a noodle in it?
2: Uh, the desserts don't currently. Okay, and, and that's not a bad uh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> dessert noodles. We've, we've done it, but not right now. Yeah, um, okay. The dessert noodles are uh, sort of like a, an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah. Everything we do does have noodles, I believe, after a fashion right now. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you, of course, taking your chef with you from Orlando Meats, so that you, you call it like more of a marriage. When I was asking you before, <laughs> I'm like, is he your sous chef? Is he your, I mean, you said it's kind of like a marriage.
2: Yeah, well, we met at, um, we met at the Smiling Bison and we started like a week apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And I ended up taking the sous chef position there and then eventually, eventually the chef de cuisine position there. And he moved right along with me there. And then when we left, we actually wanted to open another restaurant, but we ended up with Orlando Meats. And then we did five years of that. And now uh, we decided to leave and we took pretty much everybody with us. So the whole of Orlando Meats staff is still employed by us.
0: Yeah, the
1: family continues, continues. yes. So So you are looking now to open a brick and mortar store, restaurant, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in Central Florida. It's (laughs) top secret right now.
2: Uh, We're being a little coy about it. Okay, okay.
1: Okay. In the meantime, you're running pop-ups.
2: We're doing pop-ups. We just purchased a truck um, that we're outfitting as a food truck so we can travel farther, do more, carry more stock. Um, We sell out constantly, so we're basically only limited by our production. Um, So the next logical step is just to be bigger. And we can do that in a truck while we still flesh out our restaurant without having to rush into anything, especially in this climate, you know?
0: Yeah. You, it sounds like you're very uh, very strategic in all of this. We try to be. Yeah.
2: Like, um, I think Seth and I both spent our, the early part of our career doing like a fool's rush in kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. whatever seemed like fun, we're just like, okay, we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And then when there's very little money involved when you're a broke line cook. It doesn't really matter because what are you going to lose? Like two dollars <laughs> like right. my, my whole bank account was eight dollars <laughs> at the time, but like now when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars, there's a little bit more planning, like, okay, this is other people's money. This is like concepts that we have to flesh out and like more more mature at least. Mm-hmm. you know I think we've been together for like seven years, or so or six or seven years. So, so
1: how does that work? Because I think about people who are inspired by people like you and maybe mm-hmm. want to have, you know, their own restaurant or a food truck or start doing pop-ups. Um, but where do you even begin in terms of getting partners and getting uh, investors and being able to take it to that next level? How do you get your foot in the door with something like that?
2: All of it happened very organically for us. So um, all of our even perspective. Um, investors that we've had through the years have all been clientele or guests of one time or another. You strike up a conversation yeah. at the chef's table or they have a question for the chef and they, oh, you talk to them and they get your number some way or the other and you end up hanging out with them and then they're like, hey, if you ever wanna open another restaurant, like, give oh. me a call. And so we've got a few angel investors that are interested in that way and then we have very supportive parents that are saying, you know, if you want to do this, we're retiring very Mm -hmm. soon and we've got some cash to play with. So, So,
1: and when you look for a potential brick and mortar location Mm -hmm. in central Florida, you kind of touched on, this is an interesting time that we're in. We have sky high inflation, we have supply chain issues, we have labor shortages, who knows, you know, what's going to happen with the economy. Where do you even begin in terms of like scouting a location and trying to figure out what would be a successful spot for you?
2: For us, it's mainly about familiarity. Um, so we look at a location that we can control, and that the clientele will enjoy us, or at least we hope that they will enjoy us. Um, we're not trying to go to like Geneva you know, <laughs> or Altamont. I don't think that that's like a really good match. But by UCF would be nice. By Full sale, that's a younger clientele. It's a we're at a lower price point, so we're not super fancy, and they could they could come to us three nights a week and not break the bank. You know. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is obviously rent versus like what we have for labor. And we're a very, very tight knit organization and so we haven't let a new employee in in like a year for yeah. any length of time. Yeah. And so when they're there, they're there for two to three years. And is
1: it true that every employee is salaried? Yes. How, I mean, tell us <laughs> the reasoning behind that. Um, <laughs> it,
2: it indicates a level of commitment um, that like they're going to do. We're giving them everything we possibly can. Every single dollar that's allotted to them mm-hmm. is the most that we can afford use to afford them. Yeah. And at the same time, we expect the most that they're able to give us. And that's a more equitable arrangement rather than i'm going to pay you per hour so i'm going to try to get as much as i can from you out of those eight hour shifts but if i you know if you're on salary and i just want to give you a little call and say hey do you mind pulling this out of the Mm walk-in because you live two minutes away or hey can you pick this up from publix or because we ran out of this thing or whatever it is then they're more likely to be responsible and to take ownership of it because they are they're invested in a way that's not strictly monetary because they know their bills are paid, they know exactly how much they're gonna make, and it's more yeah. comfortable for them.
0: That's nice. So you went from you went from meats <laughs> now to nudes. So... <laughs> the meat thing
2: was by accident, right. in fairness.
0: So what is it about noodles? Because you seem to be very into noodles.
2: Yeah, um, so we... We started developing our pasta program back at Smiling Bison. And okay. um, it's something that I've always been interested in. Like I have a very uh, racially diverse family. <laughs> a lot of it adopted in, married in, you know, whatever. Um, and being able to experience like pho and, and ramen at a very young age. Like I learned to use chopsticks before I've really started cementing proper memories. Okay. So um, it was just a natural course of my life focusing on noodles is that they're a vehicle. Well, first of all, they're they're comfort food in any society, but they're a vehicle for so many options in much the same way that a pizza can have like an infinite number of combinations of toppings. You can have a noodle and that's expressed upon a myriad of ingredients and like depending on the time of year, this could be a cold noodle, this could be a hot noodle, this could be spicy or creamy or, or any combination of all of those things. And it just excites us to be able to have this like blank canvas that is also so deep and richly bounded by history to like, I don't know how nerdy you want to get here. But let's get nerdy. Let's get it. So (laughs) um, when you're looking at the spectra that is noodles, right, you have from very low hydration, especially let's go with just Asian noodles in this instance, because it's like flour, water, salt. Um, you have the least hydration, which is going to be on the ramen scale. And that also have an alkalizing agent to make okay. it chewier. And then the most hydration you're looking at, um, like yopo cha mian or la mian. These are like hand-pulled noodles and the hydration is around 50% for that. And ramen is going to be like around 28 to 35% hydration, meaning the content of water versus flour, um, that every, every Little tick, an infinite number of variations exist across that, and dead in the center is going to be udon, right? Um, and we work all the way across, but like yopo chan mian is one of those poverty-like formed uh, farmer foods, Yeah, is
0: filling. Yeah, it's it's
2: very because of its like high hydration, the way that it swells, the way that it chews, it's very meat-like in its construct, and so you might have, uh, let's say, very little vegetables but you've got a nutrient-rich ferment, which we're also quite big into fermentation. So you might have a nutrient-rich ferment to help like all the, the nutrients that you need to get on a daily basis, and your stomach's gonna be full of like these really, really toothsome and unctuous like body full of noodles. Okay. And so...
1: So I'm assuming yeah. you make all of these different yeah, noodles. Yes, so make all the noodles. And where do you make them and how long is that process?
2: Each one has its own timetable, like the Yopa chai takes about two days. So you form, form the dough, then you portion the dough into each individual noodle, because every one noodle is a portion. So it starts at 180 grams, and then as it goes on, it gains weight from introduction of moisture. Um, but like ramen, you can make in 30 minutes.
0: So do your noodles go from ramen all the way to yeah, the, like the uh, whole spectrum of noodles?
2: So that yeah, so, so that's for all like the wheat-based doughs. But then you have buckwheat with like bim bim naengmyeon, and then that's a dish, not a noodle. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's like a very traditional Korean thing. Um, we do tabbouki, which is another Korean. It's a rice cake, so it's like a little stick of rice, like this big. Um, I'm trying to think, naengmyeon, um, which is like a either tapioca or mung bean starch noodle, so it's like a jellied noodle. Okay. Um, It has the form of a noodle, but like the texture of like tough jello. It's really interesting, and like the the mouth feel is very, very satisfying. Like, you know, Timon and Pumbaa when they're eating grubs? Yes. It's got that same kind of like slurpy sort of, you know, fun. I'm going to be
0: analyzing every noodle from (laughs) now on. Like, what's the hydration of this noodle? Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for getting nerdy with us. Yeah, we try. Um, You mentioned that you love
1: working with noodles because it's kind of like a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. And when you mentioned that, all I could think about was all of your tattoos.
0: There's I was thinking the exact same right?
1: yes. So not only do you, you know, work with noodles every mm. single day, you literally wear noodles every single day. So I mean you were all in on red panda. You now have mm. the red panda logo tattoo.
2: No. Okay. I have a red panda eating noodles on my rib cage. Okay. Which is separate from the actual logo.
1: Get it straight. You also have the logo?
2: I do not. It's okay. bad luck.
1: Okay. Oh, it's bad luck.
2: Yeah. So like the same way that you shouldn't get a wedding ring tattooed on like this, <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, get a logo tattooed on you unless like it's over.
1: Okay. So why Red Panda? Yeah. Where did um, that name come mm-hmm. from? And
2: Seth and I were workshopping this about five years ago before Orlando meets and we were looking for a name that expressed a certain amount of playfulness with kind of hinting at authenticity without explicitly saying it. Okay. Without saying, like, we're authentic and we're doing the right thing, whatever. Um, it was more like, hey, if you like our food, that's cool. Please enjoy. Whatever. And um, and we were towing up to the line of, like, fast casual and, like, fast food of, like, Panda Express. And, uh-huh. you know, you remember, like, the old school New York-style Chinese food places with, like, Lotus Garden and Happy Family and whatever. And, like, those uh, hold such, like, a fun place in our hearts. We, we work in that that middle ground between like gross mall food mm-hmm. court right. n- noodles and stuff like bourbon chicken or whatever. And then very, very authentic like Sichuan style food. And so we wanna be playful and fun and approachable in the same way that mall food is. And we wanna be serious in our craft in the same way that like more traditional like uh, like Tian region or Sichuan region noodles are.
1: So I was uh, perusing your Instagram page and it was really just making me hungry, so I had to stop. Um, But that's where you can go to find where your pop-ups are going to be right now. Um, And you mentioned though earlier, you love working with noodles because there's so much variation. You can do cool, you can do hot. Mm -hmm. So how often does your actual menu change when you go to a pop-up? What can people expect? Is it like, do you have your tried and true staples or is it always something different?
2: So there's three that are always on the menu. Um, It's going to be pork belly lo mein, which is like just incredibly approachable very easy mall noodle style but just like done up you know bell the ball style, and then (laughs) uh, garlic noodles which is the most extreme version of garlic noodles we could come up with so there's garlic scapes and black garlic and fermented oh. garlic and it's just pounded oh. <laughs> super garlic We basically like <laughs> garlic we're like,
0: garlic yeah. When yeah, we're like, like yeah. what's
2: gonna ruin a date
0: like,
2: <laughs> So um, we do that one and then the yopo chamen because we're so uh, entranced by this methodology and this concept that we just always keep it on. Um, and then everything else kind of moves around it. Uh, we just invented. Fingers crossed. Um, (laughs) As far as we know, we invented this methodology. But um, we took a medium hydration style dough, we hand cut it, um, like hand roll it and hand cut it, basically to the length of like my arm. Very, very thin and pretty wide, like an inch and a half wide. And then we skewer this kind of like zigzag across on a skewer and we grill it on a binchotan style grill. Yeah, you can look on Instagram. Um, <laughs> we grill it on a bichotan style grill, and then we have uh, right now. We're going to change the set and the concept eventually, but what we're working on now is uh, a burnt scallion aioli and roll song, which is fried out pork. So it's like if if cotton candy was made of pork. Mm-hmm. So um, and that, to our knowledge, we invented this methodology. We've been looking and trying to. Excuse me. We've been looking and trying to find any verification that it's existed before, but we haven't found it. So we've tentatively named it uh, Kao which means grilled books, because the uh, the way that the noodles are bunched up, it looks like the binding of a book um, in Mandarin. And so that's. We're I feel like that, that should right be popular
1: now. at UCF. You know, it's students.
2: Inc- we sell out of it. Whatever their books, we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the last pop up we did, we sold like. Thirty-seven orders, which is all we could physically make. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's really popular and it's really interesting. It's very Instagrammable. You yeah, know what right? I mean? It's yeah, pull.
1: yeah. I mean, running your pop-ups. Where do you actually cook all this stuff?
2: Uh, right now, our commissary is at uh, Tuffy's in Sanford. So, shout out to Dan okay. from I, I
0: love Tuffy's. Yeah. So we Fun actually
2: spot. started as a consultant for Tuffy's to reinvigorate their restaurant after Swine and Sons left. So we opened their kitchen and we wanted it to be a cohesive part of Tuffy's. Tuffy's has a restaurant. So we did that, and Dan was so cool and awesome, we were like, hey, you wanna hang out some more? <laughs> and so we were hanging out some more, and things, we just were always at the kitchen, we started using it as a commissary, and the relationship is just peas and carrots. Mm-hmm. We see the same, you know, the same problems, the same solutions, everything's been fantastic, and so we just kinda hang out in Sanford now.
0: And how do you come up with the pop-ups?
2: Um, there's like a.
0: So is there a strategy of where you're hitting?
2: Well, there's a culture. You know what I mean, like mm-hmm. everything else. So. Um,
0: Some people have
1: also said it's very political. Do you find that like being accepted into certain locations?
2: No, I'm friendly okay. with everybody. Okay. So like. Good answer. Um, the one, no, no, no. Like uh, Jordan that does. Um, shout out to him, mm-hmm. Jordan that does. This uh, is why
1: you're so popular. Yeah. I'm shout try, out. You
0: try to be,
2: yeah. you know, you yeah. try to be apolitical. I'd like to just serve food and be nice to people. But, right. So, but
0: it is family. I
2: mean, it yeah. is. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff. So, uh, MAM events has always been great to us. Jordan from Parking Lot Party. Uh, we haven't been able to make it in because we don't have our food truck operational yet, but Fallon from uh, Tasty Takeover is very talented. She also owns a, a toit boutique.
0: Okay.
2: Um, she's doing cool stuff. Um, yeah, just everybody that's hosting these events, mm-hmm. they're, they're a much larger venue, and we get to be a part of that. And then there's also the smaller events. We're always at Red Light, Red Light. Shout out to Brent. Uh, <laughs> the guys from Tactical are always amazing. Um, who else? I'm sure I'm missing. Oh, Rockpit's great. And we've had great success at Hourglass. Um, so you just, when we first started, I mean, we probably had a leg up because we had Orlando meets. So we were like, hey, yes. would it be cool if we could hang out? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think we did get a leg up in that sense, which is, you know, yeah. use you every tool you have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's basically it just kind of ask
0: and people have been called called you guys innovative food scientists we, I mean, what do you think about that
2: I enjoy the moniker yeah. um, it's it's interesting like I have no formal education and uh, like Seth did go to culinary school but I mm-hmm. didn't I started in the dish bit and just did my thing and so we come at it from different perspectives and I studied, like literally just bought several thousand dollars worth of books and was like, okay, well I'm just gonna read these, I'm gonna watch as much as I can, I'm gonna learn from everybody. I would change restaurants every two years or so to make sure I learned from different people so I had a wide and diverse like view on the things. And we naturally landed in to a more scientific methodology rather than like a feel-based, like, oh, we're in the moment or whatever. We wanna be able to replicate what we consider perfection. So the perfect chew on a ramen noodle, we know the math behind that and yeah. we know why. And so we use we use negative pressure environments and we use like specific alkalinity and we use like, it matters, and this is how nerdy it gets, it matters in this. what order the salt and lye goes in, in relation to the temperature of water that's going in, and in relation to the humidity that's outside.
0: So your noodles are dependent on the weather?
2: Yes, very so much that's so. that's what
1: makes your noodles so great, I imagine, is you yeah. know that dedication to being mm-hmm. precise and therefore consistent mm-hmm. people know what they're going to get did you learn that perfection that science perfection at orlando
2: meets no my father's an engineer okay <laughs> <laughs> so i had a very genes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. i have a very academic background my parents are both very intelligent and pushed me into um into learning for its own sake mm-hmm. and for the pleasure of learning mm-hmm. rather than it being a burden or like a right. chore to get through yeah. so i went from being a science fiction nerd to just being a food nerd. (laughs) Follow
1: your natural curiosity. So, and as we were talking earlier, um, you have traveled all around the country, Mm -hmm. um, working, I imagine, in different restaurants in different parts of the country. Tell us about some of the places you've been across the U.S.
2: Um, Probably the most interesting one is i ran a kitchen in the grand canyon on the north rim
0: okay that's Uh, cool yeah it was
2: it was weird so it was no it was really really cool because like i could i could from my cabin which was only 40 feet away from my kitchen oh uh it was a very short commute it's kind
0: of like a work from home (laughs) yeah
2: so i had this little cabin and i had to like check the windows before I left in the morning, because I left at like dawn to go to the kitchen, I had to check that there were no deer outside because they will kill you. Oh. Um, and in the canyon there's like this really amazing natural sort of order of things. Like they have this thing called a kaibab squirrel and it's really smart and it holds grudges and they'll throw stuff at you. <laughs> wow. You're making yeah. this up. No, check it out. They, they're black, the, the squirrel about yay big, it's black body and a perfectly white tail. They're really strange looking. Um, it's great hiking. It was really, really interesting to be there. I think that the, the food wasn't really to my, what I wanted to do. Um, like, uh, the color or the, uh, the food and beverage director, maybe as a joke or whatever, Mm -hmm. got a case of gator ribs and he's like, you're from Florida, cook gator ribs. I was like, I've never done this before. Why would I, why would I eat gator ribs? That's gross. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I did it. It turned out all right. Um, yeah, that was a really fun experience. But that's
0: a new experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now you can I, say that you made it.
2: Yeah, I won't do it again. No, you won't do it again. Um, I'm not
0: gonna toss it in some noodles.
2: No, we are working on a rib tip ramen though. So Ooh. for the cold season, we're actually gonna go into brothy ramens and we're gonna do, uh, instead of using char shoe or using pork shoulder, we're gonna move into ribs. So we're gonna have a combination of ribs and ramen together. It should be interesting.
1: So after hearing all this, people are going to want to know when will you open a brick and mortar store?
2: We want a date. Yeah. It's hard. Um, (laughs) No, so, I mean, basically, no matter what location we choose, we have to work with the city, we have to get all the variances and make sure everything's cool. It's gonna be a small location. Um, It's not gonna be in Orlando proper. Mm -hmm. Um, We're likely to spend much more time on our food truck before we, probably a year and a half Mm -hmm. or a year, because that's a relatively
1: new purchase for you, right? The food truck, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, and so I think once that's outfitted and everything is moving along smoothly, we can wait for exactly the right moment to open a space and to make sure. Because now that we're, we're now in, in this sort of like uncertain times, there's three of us, Jen, Seth, and I, that are on active salary and that are, that are always working. Mm-hmm. And we can basically work two days a week and pay – everything mm-hmm. like our overheads very very low mm-hmm. but if we have a brick and mortar there's rent that always right. needs to be paid lights there's insurance <laughs> yeah. and blah, blah 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 taxes and stuff over and above everything else and then we need more employees to staff at full time and in this we're more able to be fluid and more able to go where the people are rather than trying to draw people into a space that may be less advantageous mm-hmm. so
1: makes sense
2: as soon as we can open we will be open
1: and have you taken your food truck out and about yet? Or
2: Right now we're yeah. using it as a utility truck. Okay. So we went from using like two to three cars to move our entire I don't know if you've seen the operation, but it's two sets of walk burners and you know a few coolers and a few t- we actually use two tents um, and some tables and stuff. So it takes like about like two SUVs or so yeah. to move all that. And then now we have this utility truck, which will soon be our food truck. And um, so that's nice. Plus it's
0: like that's a big helpful. billboard too.
2: Yeah, it's a giant yeah. billboard.
0: So if you had to pick, and I know it's like All I right. always ask, I'm like, it's like you're picking your favorite child here. What's your favorite entree? Or it doesn't have to be an entree. It can be whatever is on but the that menu. that we make? Yeah.
2: The Yopo Chamiya, 100%. As, like, what, is
0: what is it about it that just loves so much?
2: It's the process of making it. You cannot rush it. You can't fake it. You can't buy it. There's no like store in the world that sells this thing. It has to be handmade. There's no You can't fake the funk, so to speak. And like Seth and I have been playing with it. And I think if you look on Instagram, we did Cat's Cradle with it because it's so long. Oh, funny. So that, you know, like we're doing the pulling thing and it's, it's a pretty structurally sound noodle. And so we've got this, you know, there's about 12 feet long and we're kind of pulling it and moving it through and being able to have a conversation mm-hmm. with the ingredients in that way is so endearing. And then on top of just the noodle, the dojure, the uh, chili crisp that we use, uh, sometimes called gauzu, I think. But um, like we ferment the peppers and then we slowly have to fry the peppers for hours and you get chemical burns on your knuckles from all the capsaicin wow. that's aerosolized. No. And then you have to blanch the garlic with the boiling oil, and then you slowly conserve it and vinegar and all this other stuff goes into it. And then you have to let it rest and then you do this. And that's before it even goes out to market. You know, This is just to get ready. So we'll make like 28 quarts of doja, and we'll make 32 portions every time we go out of uh, of noodles. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like very simple like bok choy pickup and everybody loves because it's so, it's like heavy in oil and like the moisture from deglazing with chicken stock, like these huge flames come up and it aerosolizes more capsaicin so people are choking on pepper, <laughs> pepper gas basically. And, and for some reason, I, it's counterintuitive, but they go towards the pepper gas. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to watch. And like I, I truly enjoy, like I'll eat that for breakfast. If we like have a pop up the night before and we don't sell out of that dish, that noodle is gonna be breakfast while I make other noodles. So that's my wow. favorite.
1: So that's your favorite. Now, Mm -hmm. if you were going out to dinner somewhere in Central Florida, what would you choose?
2: My favorite restaurant. I have actually (laughs) a menu item tattooed right here. Of course you (laughs) do. It's uh, um, Chuan Liu Gardens. 1101 East Colonial for everybody out
1: there.
2: Uh, It's right between meals. If you know how to navigate the menu, it's gonna be the most satisfying Chinese meal that I've had outside of a Chinese person's home. Wow. It's like absolutely perfect. I think it took me about five years for them to treat me like a normal human being. But, when you
1: came in like every day. Yeah, that like, yeah. I've, been, I've been going there for
2: like seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, their food is absolutely stunning. And if you know how to order, you can experience something that's far beyond anything that I've experienced in Orlando as far as like depth of flavor. And like there's tons. Like I could list Luke's. I could list Osprey, mm-hmm. um, and all of those are great places. I'm sure I'm missing some um, Cadence. Amazing food. Um, those are all great, but like, as a cook, and I hate saying that, but as a cook, it's it's cool to just not have to deal with wearing right. clothes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can dress homeless and just go into Chuan Lui and eat and like <laughs> a nice bowl of rice and yeah. like some latzi chicken or whatever. There's something
0: about not cooking for yourself all the time. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. So if people are going to your pop-up or eventually your food truck, what's kind of the price range that we're talking about for each entree?
2: Um, the shoot, which is the grilled noodles mm-hmm. is eight bucks. So that's like on the lower end. All yeah. our desserts are around that same price. And I think the most expensive is 15 okay so it's very, very low reasonable. yeah um, people tend to like get a bunch and share mm-hmm. so, like groups of four is like the most popular thing and they'll just kind of
0: yeah and there's yeah. always a question is slurping allowed
2: encouraged it's so encouraged so <laughs> this is
0: what about
1: taking like the whole bowl and going yeah to mix, you should <laughs> like... the
2: proper way <laughs> yeah. to eat a bowl of noodles okay. is to cradle it in one hand Cradle it. Chopsticks in the other. Okay. And so you should be able to pull it to your chest and up and bring the noodles to your mouth. Okay. Um, And that'll like, that's the most expeditious and And clean way to do it. over the plate. Yeah, don't like this. Like uh, you want it to be up. In the same uh, way that like you hold a bowl of rice. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you pick entree and stuff.
1: And I feel like that cuts down on the spillage that's going on. Yeah.
2: But I mean, I'm sure there's, yeah, there's videos on on YouTube and on Instagram of me. I can eat a bowl of ramen in just under two minutes. Wow. Well, you got to get really. So is that
1: your your other like career competitive eater?
2: Um, I'm more speed rather than volume. (laughs) So like, I don't think I could do more than two bowls, but I can do one really, really fast. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll I'll bring my my kid friendly chopsticks because I still don't know how to use chopsticks. Oh, come now, it's very easy. I know. Well, thank you so much
2: yeah. for, for thank talking you for with having us. us. Absolutely. Awesome. Real
1: quickly before we go, where is the best place for people to find you online?
2: Uh, Red Panda Noodle and Red Panda Noodle Bar on Instagram. The, both accounts work. One is a professional one and one is more like us just playing around. All
1: right. Elliot Hillis, thank you so
2: much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Elliot Hillis. You can find his business on Instagram. Just search for Red Panda Noodle. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find Candace Campos on social media. She's on Twitter. Just search at Candace News 6. And on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley, our post-production audio engineer, Chris Flora, and our director, Joe Grennan. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you stream podcasts. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts on ClickOrlando.com and on YouTube. Just search for Florida Foodie.